0: Hello, world. Welcome to another episode of Golf Subpar. I am Colt Nose, joined as always, the Sleazy Man. Sleazy, golf is back.
1: Golf is back. Golf gambling is back, more importantly. It felt right, finally. First weekend in a long time where I had something to just completely sweat over on the weekend and yell at the TV and had a couple came down to the wire. So, I feel back. I'm back alive again. I got some ways to win and or lose, mostly lose money on the weekend.
0: Well, Vegas reported the Charles Schwab Challenge was the most was the most heavily bet golf tournament in PJ tour history.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's crazy to me. Not I'm I'm like not I mean, granted it's not like a major you would think maybe a master's final round or something like that would be the most ever. But I mean, dude, people are the only thing out there right now to bet on is, is UFC and mm-hmm. I've been betting it. I don't really know anything about it. I pretty much just bet for knockouts or submissions. Or if you're from Brazil, I pretty much bet on the dude. But other than that, like I don't know anything because a golf is here. Even I think people that have no interest in golf or
0: haven't in the past that just want something to bet on are now betting on golf. Well, yes, it is very good to be back. It's exciting to have some action out there. We'll go over our picks for this week at Harbor town a little later and review what happened this past week. But first we got to give a little shout out to our man, Daniel Berger, who hoisted the trophy at colonial.
1: Yeah, man, it was a, I I thought from a leaderboard perspective, it couldn't have been scripted better for first week back. I mean, you had literally every big name at some point on Sunday or on, at least on late Saturday on on, that you could want on Mm -hmm. that leaderboard minus maybe a John Mm romp. He was like the only guy there. I mean, that thing was packed all kinds of, and it was so jammed up. I mean, there were so many guys on Sunday that could win. It was a, 10 shout out to daniel Berger. good to see him third win by the way which people i i mean when they mentioned this was his third one i'd almost like forgotten about his other two in memphis but uh hated to see morikawa lose it the way i would have liked to see that thing go another couple holes i don't like ever see a tournament lost on like a three four foot par putt but props to Berger, man he played good and and held off
0: some some beasts down the stretch he did and look you got it someone's gonna win it's gonna happen one way or another and it was unfortunate the way it happened to call but. Uh Berger just kind of slid under the radar all week, was just hanging, hanging, hanging around, and goes out there, birdies the 72nd hole, ends up in a playoff when Morikawa misses a six-footer. And like you said, his third PJ Tour victory. Coincidentally, all three come in the second week of June.
1: That's so weird. That is so weird. And he also had a hell of a run at the U.S. Open uh, the third week. He didn't win it, but was it Shinnecock or somewhere? Yeah, he was Where in was the final it? group at Shinnecock. Final group at Shinnecock, third week of June, too. So keep that little nugget going forward. Yeah, if June's you're looking to roll the dice the third week of June
0: – or what week was it? It was the second week of second June. Second week of June. I'm not a this big This is now going to be the third week.
1: Yeah, third week. That's uh, a time to load up on the Burger Yeah, man.
0: it seems like it. But hey, another exciting week. One of my favorite courses on the PGA Tour, Town, The RBC Heritage is here this week.
1: Before we get to that, can we just quick... I want your take. Bryson DeChambeau stole the show, got all the attention this weekend with the new bulked up Bryson ball that he's playing. Quick thoughts on him. It is a spectacle.
0: It is. It's absolutely unbelievable. <sighs> I mean, the guy... I can't – like, I knew he was big, but then you turn the TV on, and you're like, oh, my God. I Dude,
1: he's it's, it's hard to even right? – it's like he gained 45 pounds and, and lost a neck at the same time. It's just chest and then head, and he just looks like a linebacker out there. But watching him hit the – I like, typically, Bryson's on TV, you're like, oh, slow play, don't really care, keep mm-hmm. it moving. I couldn't see enough of his stuff this week, especially off the tee. I was like, show me him, especially if there's a driver. He's hitting it at speeds
0: that I've – I mean, we've never seen on the PJ yeah. Tour before. He was consistently at like 188 miles an hour ball speed, which is around 20 miles an hour faster than the tour average. It's disgusting. And Justin, and that's, that's a colonial where you're not really letting it rip.
1: Yeah, that's a course, that we're not letting it rip. Sea level, humid, it was hot, so the ball's jumping. But, like, I mean, Justin Rose played with him. He's like, first hole, dude, I hit one about as good as I'm going to hit it. It flew about 300
0: yards in the air. I'm 40-plus behind Bryson. It's a different and game. And it was more accurate yeah. this week. 2% if, more accurate. So Yeah, I mean, if he I never saw him really hit a foul ball. So if he uh if he can keep it somewhat straight and develop a decent wedge game and not get hurt with this crazy workout program, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with on the PJ Tour.
1: Yeah, keeping that weight up not the easiest, I would think. He's drinking like five or six protein shakes per round, which just seems crazy. But hey, He's weird, and he think he believes <laughs> in weird. what he's doing. So, uh, and it looked pretty it's damn working. good this week. Yeah. And that's I not
0: mean, a course where it should be, in theory, like the biggest advantage to be hitting it like that. But he still made it work. No, and we're off to another beautiful golf course that where length doesn't really matter that much, and that's Harbortown Golf Links for the RBC Heritage, one of my favorite weeks on the PGA Tour schedule. A place I've contended at a couple of times, uh, just an, one of the most unique golf courses on the PGA Tour.
1: It's one of my favorites. I've never played it, but I love watching it. It brings the, the entire field, I feel like, is as a, you know, potential to win that, that golf tournament. And for a guy like you, like, you had to lick your chops, I would think, every week going into HarperTown. It's
0: one of those weeks where it's almost like kind of like playing at home. You know it's everything's so perfect. You just don't want to put too much pressure on yourself. For right? you, you mean? Like, oh, like, yeah. For, this is, for me, this like, is one just, of the ones. Yeah, yeah. like, the guys like Luke Donald, Jim Furyk, um, they just thrive around this place. And it was one of those weeks I would get to, and I'm just like, okay, um, this is one of your few chances you could really win out here on the PGA tour, you better bring it. And uh, I had a third and like an 11th. So I I had a couple decent showings. The third, the third was the heartbreaker. We can kind of use that as our funny money segment this week. Yes. I know this. Everyone needs money was not funny. It was real money. Um, But you know, had solo lead first and second round um, going into the weekend, tied for the lead going into Sunday with Carl Peterson played, played with him um, both Saturday and Sunday, held it together nicely on Saturday was Right in there, shot sixty nine, I believe, and then go to Sunday and um got a little nervous, had a had a panic tee shot on the third hole, went, went to a triple bogey, but ended up finishing third. Missed quite an expensive one on seventeen from about three feet for birdie, and then an eight footer for par on uh eighteen to finish tied for second. Should have finished solo second, but was uh was my biggest check to date at the time, and that was in two thousand twelve.
1: And didn't you get a little text from a friend of the program right after one or two of the, the both of those misput seventeen and eighteen? A good friend of ours here, guest on the show, reminding you like,
0: hey. Yeah, tell so, that. so I had, uh, well, first off, I'll tell the story properly. So I look at the leaderboard on 17, and I'm in third place. or tie, Yeah, I'm in third place. One back of Zach Johnson. So I hit it like three feet, and I'm like, okay, this is the tie for second. Miss it. Nice. Like, damn it. Yep. Go up there. Start counting money. Yep. Yeah, so I, I go to 18. I hit it in the fairway, which is pretty hard to miss that fairway. And I see the leaderboard again, and they had it wrong. They, they had Zach putting for birdie. From like 30 feet, so I'm like, okay, well, he misses it. So I'm like, he makes par. So I was like, I got a birdie, 18 to finish tied for second. Well, I try to hit the aggressive one. I hit it. I take the shorter club. Hits the lip of the bunker. Comes back down the bunker. And I'm like, all right, well, not gonna probably make birdie. Let's just not butcher this or anything like that. While I'm walking up, well, they had the scoreboard wrong. He was actually putting for par. He makes bogey. So now I'm tied for second. And okay. now I'm like, I got to get up and down to tie to tie for second. One of the most nervous I've ever been. I hit it to the bunker to like eight feet. And didn't even come close to hitting hitting the hole. Tap in for third. Turn on my phone after I sign my scorecard. First text Gary Wooden, do you have any idea how much money that putt cost you? <laughs> thank you, yeah, Gary. Thank you. No, never crossed my mind. And thank you, PJ Tour. Get your shit together. Yeah. Let's get these freaking leaderboards right. It cost my guy a bunch of money. It did cost a little bit of money, but it was it was still awesome. That, that place is so special. Um, it's going to be different without crowds. And obviously being in June this year, I looked at the weather. It's going to be pretty warm in the high 80s, but like no wind. 5 to 10 miles an hour all day, which that that's that the defense around that place so it'll be interesting to see if these guys really tear it up because i imagine the greens will probably be a little softer in june with the with the warmer temperatures but man just such a special place you know most of the guys rent houses all around the island there and it's just it's cool huge crowds which now there won't be any. It looks like one of the more like fun tournaments to play because typically it's right after the Masters and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of like all right
1: first majors over like the intensity I'm mean, I want to say there it's not intense but it's like a little bit of a you know
0: like step down from the Masters and everyone seems to just have a good time. Out there. Yeah I just think it's just such a great vibe everyone looks forward to it so much and so everyone's in a good mood when they show up I mean if you're grumpy playing Town golf links you, you got issues. Yeah figure so it out. It's um it's it's a great week and obviously very special to me and one I always look forward to watching in, in an incredible field. All top five in the world are in the field once again. Yep. Um, star-studded event. So it's going to it's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Yep. And we will be doing our picking for that right after our interview coming up, which we'll get to right now. And the legend, that word gets thrown around a little too much, but this dude, uh, every sense of the word, is a legend. Mr. Jim McMahon, former quarterback for the 85 Bears, one of the teams that gets, you know, brought up in the conversation for best NFL team of all time, along with the 72 Dolphins. But this one was a, this was a really fun one, man.
0: He was told some unbelievable NFL stories, some great golf stories, which happens with a lot of our something happened to him that happened to a lot of our. Yeah, guests, con, he, like. he
1: stayed with the theme.
0: It is. But he is an absolute beauty. Diehard golfer. All right, Sleeves, so before we get to Jim McMahon, I know you have a special message from our official sponsor.
1: Yes, this is as special as it gets, Colty. Anyone who's dealt with erectile dysfunction knows how awkward it can be to talk about in person. Luckily, there's a simple, convenient solution to get the treatment you need without ever leaving the couch. Our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed into your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need right from home. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, your medication can be shipped right to your door with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. And I wanna clear something up last week. I said last week that our producer Mark knows about this. That is false. Mark has no problems whatsoever. It's actually our video guy, Zach. Zach is the guy that uses Roman and it has helped him immensely. Trust me, he raves about this stuff. So if you're struggling with ED, stay home. Go get Roman. Go to Roman.com subpar for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com subpar for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Go out there and get hard.
0: All right. Well, let's get to Mr. Jim McMahon here on Golf Subpar.
1: We are extremely fortunate to have two-time Super Bowl champion, Chicago sports icon, one of the toughest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, Mr. Jim McMahon is in the house. How are we doing, Jim?
2: Doing great, man. It's uh, finally getting out of the house a little bit. Uh, it's good to be back into society. That's that's very
0: true, and we are very, very excited to be here. Like Drew said, absolute legend in the NFL, but it all started off at BYU for you, so you know, we had an unbelievable career there. But before you decided to go to BYU, was there anywhere else you were looking to go? Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah.
2: I was. Uh, I went back to <laughs> Nebraska, Oklahoma State, a uh, few other big schools back in the day. But my, my main focus when I was going to college was to play baseball. I, I really didn't. I, I loved the game of baseball. I still do. Uh, that's what I wanted to be was a baseball player. So. The only two schools that said I could play both sports was Nevada Las Vegas and, and BYU. And Vegas happened to be my last recruiting trip. And I came home from Vegas, I said, "Pops, I'm going to Vegas." <laughs> I had such a good time and and uh, I was offered quite a bit of stuff. And he says, "No, it's it's not a big enough school." I said, "Pops, listen to me. They just offered me a house, car, money, easy job at a casino." You know, I like it would have been Steve Wynn, you know. Who knows? Or dead from strippers, probably. But. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but he said no, and uh, that's how I ended up at BYU. Oh, my so. sounds gosh. Sounds like SMU, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: was doing some research. I, I knew you had a massive year that junior year. I didn't realize, like, the statistics that you had. You had 4,571 yards passing, 47 touchdowns. You set 32 NCAA records that year, and yet somehow finished fifth in Heisman voting. How in the shit, in this day and age, that's a runaway landslide Heisman victory. How in the shit do you finish fifth? In the Heisman
2: voting that year, uh, like that—that's well, a BYU. You know, they don't get a lot of national press coverage. That's why. You know, we play our games in the in the evenings or Saturday Saturday night, and so they don't get any press coverage back in New York usually. Uh, but yeah, I was the first guy to throw for over four thousand yards, um, and I missed. If you add up the time that I played, I missed about three games. Okay. So my next question had, I, had I played those three games, I would have been well over 5,000 yards and, and over 50 touchdowns. So, but um, yeah, I didn't, didn't get a whole lot of luck,
0: but your numbers were incredible. Overall, you had 70 NCAA records at BYU. You still have two actually at BYU, by the way, if you didn't know really? that. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. But You went on to be drafted fifth overall by the Chicago bears. So you're going to, you're going to a program with Mike Ditka, who's obviously defense first, run the ball first. And you're a guy that likes to air it out. Was that something you're kind of like uh, i don't know how this is going to work or was it just like hey let's see if i can change his mind and start throwing the ball a little more
2: well i was very surprised to end up in chicago to begin with because all indications were that i was going to the baltimore colts they were drafting right before the bears <coughs> and i'd been i'd done all the uh, what do they call them the workouts and all that kind of stuff i had dinner or dinner with Johnny Unitas at his restaurant in Baltimore he was telling me how I was gonna enjoy the city and this and that but um, at the time my agent also had um, a running back from Baltimore I think it was Curtis Dickey that name rings well, okay. sounds familiar and they were having trouble signing Curtis so my agent told him don't even bother drafting me because he'll never sign me and so and on draft day I was like wow Baltimore passed I didn't even know who was picking next, and it was Chicago, and so that's that's how I ended up there.
0: Well, you're you're one of the you're obviously playing for one of the greatest football teams ever, the '85 Bears. What was it like in Chicago during those times, being obviously the quarterback for the Bears, walking around the great city of Chicago? I mean, you had to be just an absolute rock star around there.
2: Yeah, the city always treated me well. I, I enjoyed it. I lived there for 28 years. All my kids were were born and raised there. Uh, great city, great fans, uh, very knowledgeable fans. You know they. <clears throat> you don't have to win there. That's what's great about it there. <laughs> you know, if you play hard, they'll love you, mm-hmm. and they 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 know who plays hard and who doesn't. But uh but if you play hard and win, hell, they'll love you forever. And that's you know it's it's been thirty five years and they're still they're still talking about it. So, well,
1: speak, like you did play hard, and you had a you you. Because of the way you played, you had some injuries throughout your NFL career. What do you think of the new rules in the NFL where, like, everything is designed around protecting the quarterback? Quarterback can't get hit. I mean, anything below the knee is a penalty. Anything up high, that's a penalty. You can it's only hit joke. him basically right here. What do you think
2: of that? It's a joke. It's, I'd hate to be a defensive player. I mean, where do you hit anybody at nowadays? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's changed quite a bit. Because back then, they could take two, sometimes three steps and still drill you after he released the ball. And uh, yeah, you always had to have your head on a swivel.
0: Or or like Charles Martin did and just wait yeah. about three you minutes. Wait about four or five minutes and then, minutes and then
1: yeah. just body slam?
2: Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty interesting there. In fact, that was the start of all my problems with my head now because when he slammed me, the first thing that hit the ground was the top of my head. And so it compressed my uh, C1 and 2. It actually twisted them in the op- opposite direction. So I'm having trouble with my spinal fluid flowing properly uh from that and also i had a broken neck at some point in my career and I, I, I pretty much know when it happened but um so that's another blockage area c6 uh, and 7 are cracked and compressed was that hit
1: the charles martin was that the one that did it or was it a no that, time?
2: that was that's what did the c1 and 2 twisted those <laughs> but i remember uh i was playing for the vikings playing in new york in the playoffs and my legs went numb twice during the game so i Figured it was during that game. Oh my
1: god! And no one ever, no team, the Vikings never like diagnosed said, "Hey Jim, uh, I think you have a broken neck." No,
2: we didn't. Uh, well, we lost the game, so the season's over, right? So all you do, you get back home, go in the facilities, you know, talk to the coach. He said, "Hey, you, you, you feeling okay?" I said, "Well, I guess." So I went home, never, never worried about it. Uh, I didn't re- realize I I had a broken neck until I was doing uh, workman's comp, probably. 10, 12 years ago. They did all the x rays and everything and they said, Oh, when'd you break your neck? <laughs> I said, Oh, I didn't know I had a broken neck. Never. Wow. And I said, I kind of, I, I know when it happened because my legs went numb. But So I'm, I'm pretty lucky just to be still upright.
1: How do you think your, if, if at all, how do you think your NFL career plays out differently if you played under the modern rules right now with the, the non hitting of the quarterback being allowed?
2: I'd still get hit because I'd take off. Sometimes. Yeah, you you were head first guy. I wasn't. Uh, I saw an opening. I took off. Yeah, I'd much rather throw the ball for sure, but uh, I didn't uh, waste any opportunities if I could take off and run.
1: But it's easier now for quarterbacks. Oh yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah.
2: I would love to play now. I mean, it was. That's all we did in college. You get to throw it pretty much every down. That's what I love about Andy Reid. You know what they're doing in Kansas yeah. City. You got to love old offensive linemen that love to throw the football. Andy was my tackle in college. So I've known him forever. Oh, really? I didn't know, I know that. either. I didn't know no, that. he was at BYU. No no he's doing okay now. He's yeah. doing great yeah. now. God, I, he's designed. He's the been offense a great coach for years, and now to finally get a Super Bowl. I didn't know happen. that.
0: So I was going to ask That's cool stat. if you could pick one one coach to play for. Obviously, Dicko was a run the ball in defense. Would Would Andy Reid maybe be the guy?
2: Oh yeah. I definitely what about back him. in your era?
0: Who who was a coach that you would have, uh, liked to have played for?
2: Well, I got to play for Mike Holmgren. I thought he was. I played for seven coaches, and I thought Holmgren was the best of all those of those teams. Uh, I played for Belichick in Cleveland in '95. I don't have any respect for him. He's a, how come? He's a lying piece of shit. For one, um, when I was there at the end of training camp, they call he calls me in. He says, "Look." We have to release you because we got so many guys hurt. We need roster spots. He goes, but I really need you here. I said, What are you talking about? You know, all they had was Testaverde, and they had just drafted a rookie. He goes, he goes, if Vinny gets hurt, I, I need you. I said, Well look, Bill. I said, if I'm gonna be here, I have to move my family, I have to find a hockey team for my sons. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I gotta do. And he goes, No, we're gonna take care of you. I said, Well, what do you mean take care of me? He said, We're gonna pay you to sit out. So I'm like, I called my attorney. I said, can I trust this guy? He just said, they're going to pay me to sit out. He says, it's probably only give you one or two weeks. So my attorney said, you know, take him at his word. So I ended up, I found a house, moved my family, found a hockey team for my sons. And then uh, the first week goes by, I called in on Friday for my check and they gave me the runaround, right? So I'm thinking, all right, first, first week jitters, whatever. So the second week I call again on Friday. They give me the runaround again seven weeks i'm doing nothing in cleveland working out at the local gold's gym playing a lot of firestone that was nice (laughs) but uh yeah seven weeks i did nothing and i'm like why the hell did i trust this guy they finally signed me back so i addressed the next three games so eight nine and ten i I dress i get my checks so they still owe me seven checks So we're playing – we happen to be playing the Packers on week 10, and Andy Reid was on the staff at the time. So he's in his Packer gear. I'm in my Cleveland Browns stuff, and we're playing catch on the 50-yard line pregame. And he said, oh, you should have came here this year, Mac. We got a good squad. I said, I know, man. I I messed up because I hate it here. I hate that little prick over there I was pointing at Belichick. (laughs) And uh, he goes, what's going on? I said, just just don't be – I said, check the waiver wire in the next couple weeks. You might be surprised. So the very next day, I'm in the QB meeting. We're watching the game film. I get up to go to the restroom. And here comes the little GM that was giving me the runaround in the last 10 weeks, right? I corner him. I said, look, Mike, I need the money. I said, my wife just got in a wreck. I don't want to deal with the insurance. I said, I need my cash. And he looks at me like smartass and he goes, well, maybe we'll pay you. Maybe we won't. Oh. And I snapped on him, I just grabbed him by his throat and I started banging his head on the wall. I go, you little bastard, you're gonna pay me my money. And then I realized what I was doing, right? And I said, Oh, I looked around, there was no, you know, no cameras yeah. anywhere, so I whacked his ass again. <laughs> and he slides down the wall, I walk right into the training room, called my attorney, I said, you better get me cut right now, I'm gonna kill this guy. He goes, what happened? I said, get me cut right now. So he called me back within two minutes. He said okay they'll release you if that's what you want i said perfect so now i I walk back into the qb meeting all this happened within 10 minutes and i just said hey boys i'll see y'all later and they look at me what where where are you going and the qb coach says hey have you talked to bill and i said you can tell bill to kiss my ass that lying piece of shit. i'm out of (laughs) here so i i was gone the next day i was in uh, green bay yeah uh finished the year with them we ended up losing the nfc championship game that year I came back for one more year and <laughs> we ended up winning it. So that was my, uh, wow. Deal with that's Holy shit.
1: I did yeah. not know that. So have you talked to Bill Belichick since that ever? You wouldn't want to. What if, if you ran into him in the street? Would you say anything to him? No, that's wild, dude. I but heard, he did dude. that.
2: They did a lot of deals like that under the table because of the salary cap and stuff. And a lot of guys got hosed because wow. they trusted him.
0: So no, I'm guessing you never got your money. Nope. Well, I've heard from a, a good source you had a little run in with another coach when you were in Philly. And so I was told to ask the story about you and Coach Rick Cotite and a fire extinguisher.
2: Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Can you tell that story? I, just, I don't remember the fire extinguisher. <laughs> Allegedly <laughs> I, I, I remember we used to uh during camp we used to when we knew the coaches were gone. And uh I had I had a master key to the whole dorm, so I I'd go in and out. Anybody's room that I want it. So i I, I visited oh, Richie's I visited Richie's room a couple of nights and left it in disarray.
0: <laughs> well, the story really yeah, great Green to told me here. was you got a fire extinguisher and just sprayed his entire room, his clothes and everything. And he walks in, all of a sudden they hear the coach go, What the fuck just happened in here? <laughs> and you just dusted it with a fire extinguisher, the whole thing.
2: I, don't, I probably did. That was your boy Roy Green. I, I did. I Philly. did mess it up. Lead the
0: fifth times. right now. I love that. That
2: is <laughs> fantastic. Richie, I remember that because Richie came to my room the next next morning, and he walks in. He goes, "You stay the f- out of my room." <laughs> I said, "Okay, Coach. I didn't didn't know it was yours." Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> Oh my
1: Hello. god, that is so good. Uh, we got we got to go back to the '85 Bears because there's so many great personalities that were on that team. You, you got refrigerator. You know Perry. You got uh, Walter Payton, Steve McMichael, who's a guy that was awesome, revered in that town. And from what I've read, you all you guys all like to party together. What was that like team camaraderie? Because like? I I wanted to tell a story. I've been told that you guys would used to used to play on Sundays. When Go out the next night, and they had Dickie would say, "Hey, you got to be in on Monday for film or whatever it was." And you guys would go so hard that you would just drive to the facility and sleep in your cars or sleep in the facility because you're like, "There's no way I'm waking up tomorrow." True or not?
2: That happened, yeah, yeah, <laughs> more than once.
1: Is that cool? Like, that's unique. I feel like nowadays, like that probably doesn't happen. But the, w- how close you guys were? Nah, no, I mean, every
2: I used to go out with our offensive lineman every Thursday night, and we'd pick that night to go out and have dinner. And whose ever turn it was to buy, they they would pick the restaurant, and they you know we'd all after practice we'd show up, and it started out it was just me and my lineman, and by the end of the year it was we had running backs, we had <laughs> receivers, we had some defensive guys come, because they'd heard how much fun we were having on Thursday nights, and I think Dick had caught one of it too. Cause it, Fridays became our live scrimmage days, uh, goal line and short yardage day. And everything, all our practices were live. We always had pads on, and we we're, we're hitting f- for three straight hours. And it would take it take that long to get through practice because there was always fights. And uh, defensive guys would be yelling to Buddy, hey, Buddy, they're cutting us. And Buddy would say, well, do they cut you in the game? Yeah, deal with it. <laughs> That was the mentality, and he didn't want to give up anything on his defense. And Dickie wanted to, you know, Dickie would yell, "Hey, do this, do this," and he's just like, no. It was it was a very strange dynamic because basically we had two head coaches. You know, defensive coach was their head coach, and and Dick was our head coach, and uh, there was fights all the time. It's crazy. I mean, we won in spite of them, not because of them. I think we had great. we had we had great players. We had uh, we were a young football team uh that defense was um it was new to around the league they couldn't figure out how to block the 46 and and with the guys plugged into that defense it was mayhem at some time i mean they couldn't they couldn't block these guys so it was um it was fun though we had a i was there for seven years i had a blast great, yeah great teammates the city the city's awesome well now it's i think they're letting it go to waste right now yeah. but uh yeah, it's a great it's a great town. It's just unfortunate what's going on right now.
1: And the only game y'all lost that year was at Miami, which not only in the NFL but you see it in the NBA too. A lot of great teams go into the city of Miami on the road and lose. And a lot of the buzz around is like because of the nightlife in Miami, right? There's a lot of things to do down there. Pretty fun little town. You guys lost the only game at Miami. Great, t- great Miami team, by the way. But did that ha- did that loss have anything to do with? Hey, there's a lot of stuff to do. Miami, not that bad of a place to hang out on a on a Saturday night.
2: I think. Well, they were. They had the offense that could, you know, exploit our defense. You know, they they got. You know, Danny got rid of the ball quickly. Uh, I was told the night before the game I wasn't playing. I'd practiced all week. Well, I missed Wednesday's practice. I'd sprained my ankle the week before. I missed one day of practice. I practiced Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We got on a plane Sunday. So we're doing our little walk through Sunday night in the stadium, and he tells me, "Oh, you're not playing tomorrow night." And I'm like, "What? Why?" He goes, "Oh, you missed Wednesday's practice." So I'm thinking, like you, I'm thinking, "Hey, Miami could have some fun. Could be worse. I'm not I have to play." It's I said, "Okay, fine, land. cool. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it." So I, I, I had a good time, and then uh, during the game. Earlier in the year, we played Minnesota up in Minnesota. It's a Thursday night game, right? And another one, I was in traction a couple days in the hospital. He said I wasn't gonna play, and I, I chewed his ear off to get in the game. And then, so this time, he says, he says, you're not playing. He said, you're, we're not gonna have another uh, Minnesota night. And I'm like, why not? That worked out pretty damn yeah, good. I remember that, yeah. I remember. So I, I just said, you know what the hell with you? Fine, I'm not gonna play. So I, I was, wasn't was into the game at all. The only thing I was worried about was Walter Payton was going for his 10th or 11th 100-yard game in a row, which is going to be a, an NFL record. So I was just trying to keep track of his yards, right? And we got down early, you know, just a couple of touchdowns early. So Dick could panic and start throwing the ball. We don't have a throwing offense, right? I said, "Hey, you got to give the ball to Walter because they had the worst rush defense in the league that year. He could have probably ran three, three or four hundred yards if they gave him the football." So about six minutes to go in the game, we're down fourteen points, and he decides to put me in. You know, in my Minnesota, I was right in his ear the whole time. This time, I was like as far away as I <laughs> can get from him. And he he walks me down. And he goes, "All right, you're in." And I thought, "Oh, you told me I wasn't playing." He goes, "Get your ass in the game, right?" So he sends me in with a pass play. And I'd figured at the time, Walter had about 70, 75 yards rushing. So I come in the huddle. I said, look, boys. I said, this game doesn't mean shit. I said, we're already in the playoffs. We have home field advantage. I said, we're down 14 points. Who cares if we lose this game? I said, let's get this guy the record he deserves. And they all went, cool. Wow. So as I'm getting up to the ball, Dickon knows I didn't call the pass. I looked over at him and he's you know, he's he's MFing me up and yeah. down the sideline. And at, at this time, you know, they're dropping eight guys and rushing three. So he he bust up there for probably 15 yards. I didn't realize we had a timeout left. So he burns the timeout. I gotta go talk to him now. And he's just screaming up <laughs> up and down. And I said, Hey, look, nothing in our offense gets us that many yards our pass offense, right? I said, look, they're dropping eight guys. I said, now Walter only needs probably 10 yards for his record. And he had no clue what I was talking about because he was so pissed off at me. And it finally clicked in. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to get him his record. But first, we're going to do this. Gives me another pass. So I get in the huddle. I said, boys, this shit's really going to hit the fan now, but we're going to run this some bitch again. <laughs> and they went, yeah, they're all laughing as yeah. we go up the line of scrimmage. I looked over at Mike again, and he's, he throws his clipboard. Now he tries to throw his headset, yeah, the headset. at me. Yeah, headset. It was stuck to his side, so it just kind of bounced back and whacked him. I gave it to Wally. He busted up there for another 10 or 15. I said, all right, now let's try to win a game. But,
0: that is uh, hilarious. How was that talk after the game? I mean, he obviously got he got the record.
2: Yeah, he did get his record. What, he was appreciative of that. He didn't say much to me.
0: No.
1: What a quarterback, though. He'd be like, yeah. hey, who gives a shit? We got home field advantage. Let's get our boy the record right now. That's really That's how cool. it should be, Yeah. I, is it true the Super Bowl shuffle got a ton of publicity still does to this day? Was that recorded? I've read that, that was recorded the day after
0: that game at Miami. True? Yeah. Whose idea was that?
2: Uh, it was yeah, Willie Galt had a friend in the music business, and um, they, they came to us. You know, it was like right, after, uh, or right during Halloween or Thanksgiving, and they said, look, we want to make a record. They, this is how they came to us. We're going to make a record. And the proceeds are going to go to feed the homeless for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we said, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So they got four or five of us to to go to a studio and do our part. About a week or two later, they came back and said, all right, now you guys got to do a video. And we're like, no, I'm not doing a video. I said, you told us we we're going to do a record. We did the record. We're done. He said, no, no, you got you to do a video. Everybody does a video now. And I said, look, I'm, I'm not doing it. And, uh, and then they we find out they're going to tape it the next morning after we get back from Miami. We got back probably three or four in the morning from Miami. And these guys had to be at the studio like at 8 or 9. And they were there for, I think, eight hours, nine hours. Oh, my God. And I'm like, Walter and I didn't go. And so probably three or four days later, uh, Willie came to us at practice, and he says, Hey, man, uh, you guys don't do your part. We're going to have to sue you. So we're... We like, what? are you kidding me? I guess that the small print, it said something. I don't oh. know. Oh, and shit. so what you see there is is uh, Walter and I did our parts after practice one day in the racquetball court at Hallis Hall. They just green screen or blue screen, what do they do? So what you saw was the one pissed off white man doing whatever the hell I was doing. <laughs> <Did> you, <laughs> I had no
1: idea about that's that. Incredible. How can you get sued yeah. for some shit you just do voluntarily? Contracts I don't says, know, but maybe legals are weird. Yeah. Did you write your did each player write their own lyric or was that written for you guys like did you write your verse
2: no that was, it was written i mean it was i think i changed a few things but it was i figure this about as far as i'm gonna go with this
1: do you still remember your lyrics some of them you don't gotta say them no I'm if you unless not. you want to no <laughs> I didn't want to TV. do it then. i didn't yeah. going to do it now. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh my god! How much shit does that team get for recording the Super Bowl shuffle if they don't? If you guys don't end up winning the Super Bowl by a million, like you did?
2: Ah, oh, we'd look kind of foolish.
0: Yeah, have... I mean, that's how confident you were, though, that you go record yeah, had, something like
2: that. I mean, we we had a good shot to win in '84 as well. Yeah, and you know, we had a good football team. We were, I think, we were seven and two. When I got hurt, I I uh, tore the bottom part of my kidney off in a game, and uh, we ended up finished. We finished ten and six that year, and went to the NFC Championship game. Uh, lost to the Niners, so we we knew we were, we knew we had a good football team. So coming in at eighty five, that was our goal. We said, you know, we ain't we're not losing. Or we're not, we're going to get to the Super Bowl and win it, and we did. Uh, and then you know, the following year we come in. We finished fourteen and two. We had the best record in the league. Uh, had home field advantage again throughout the playoffs, and we lose at home the first round. And then the year after that, '87, same thing. We had the home field advantage. We lose in the first round at home. Then mm. 1988, we ended up losing the NFC Championship game at home. So it was, we didn't really have a home field advantage. It seemed like, you know, we I, I guess we thought when guys would come in there in January, and it's 30, 40 below zero. They'd fold up, but they didn't fold up. They didn't fold up.
0: Yeah, At the end of your career, you go to Green Bay, and you back up Brett Favre, and you win another Super Bowl in New Orleans. What was it like being around Brett Favre? Obviously, he was probably the most dominant quarterback in the game at that time. Uh, What what was it like backing him up?
2: Yeah, Favre, he was fun. I mean, Brett's a tough kid, man, loves to play the game. You know, you still see him on the commercials out there on the field Mm -hmm. throwing the ball, so. No, he was a lot of fun to be around. He was a tough kid, like I said, and just, just loved to play.
0: Did you see any of you in him?
2: Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, he was so – both like to run he, around was, and yeah, sling he it. Yeah, he, he was, was tough. He was stubborn. He'd, <laughs> you know, so it, it would happen pretty much every week. He would just do something and just – he'd hit the free safety in the chest with the ball for, for no reason. And Holmgren would always look at me and go, why did he do that? like <laughs> – Shit, dude! I've only been here for a year. You've been here for four, with him. But uh, yeah, he was a lot of fun to play. With. That 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 was a good football team as well. We got I got to play with Reggie White again, who I played with in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, it was good to see him finally get a Super Bowl ring. He deserved one. He was a
1: hell of a player. Did you teach Brett Favre the? Co- uh, there's a story like you taught Brett Favre the cover two, like what the cover two is. Like he like they were in tape, and he's like, "What's a cover two? And yeah, like, I
2: don't know what. Sometimes I, I would do the same thing, Holmgren. I said, "Why would he do that?" You know, he'd come off the field and I go, I go, what was that all about? And he goes, well, the strong safety came up. I said, well, where'd the weak safety go? I don't know. <laughs> I go, you just hit him in the chest. <laughs> I mean, just because some that comes up, they, they, they try not to leave the middle of the field open, you know, because you give a receiver that money, that much room, you can't cover those guys. Yeah, but that would happen, you know, once yeah. once, a, once, a week or once Take a game. Take the good with the bad. Yeah. That's funny.
1: Do you get back to Chicago ever?
2: Yeah, I'm back there quite a bit. Uh, probably three, four, five times a year. What's
1: it like when you're back there? Are you revered? I mean, you are one of the iconic Chicago athletes of all time. Like, most liked, you know.
2: I still have a lot of great friends there. Uh, I, I haven't bought a beer there for quite a while. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: It's a good deal. Yeah, it's, it's a good deal. I love
2: you know. I love free stuff, especially <laughs> beer.
0: Free beer is good beer. Free mm, beer is the is best true. beer. That's true. But since this is a golf show, we should talk a little bit about your golf game. Yeah, first off, a little golf. how did you how did you get into the game? How did you even pick, up the ga- pick the game of golf up?
2: Actually, I started. Uh, I think it was my last year in college. Uh, over the summer, BYU got me a job at a at a farm, and I'd, I'd never been on a farm before. So the first day I go to work and the uh i guess the farmer the guy owned the place i don't know he says okay uh go in there and clean out the barn and i looked around i go which one's the barn because everything was red right i don't know which one where the barn is it was right there i said okay i walked in there and it was a dead it was a goat or a sheep or something it was dead they had just slit his throat for whatever they did and i come running out i said hey dude there's a there's a dead animal in there. He goes, I know. We killed it last night. It was giving birth. We had to get rid of it. I said, well, I'm not touching that damn thing. He goes, oh, you don't want to do that? I said, no. He goes, come with me. He gives me a post hole digger. And I start digging holes. And I dug about two holes. And I said, looked at him and said, hey, dude, this farm stuff ate for me. I left. Never went back. And so my, my roommate was working at a golf course. He grew up playing golf and lo- loves the game. So I would say, hey, I'll come see you today at the, at the golf course. And I would just play. It was a little nine-hole track. It was right across the street from the Osmond Studios in Provo, Utah. And I would just play all day long, just up and down this golf course. That's how I got started in it and just kept going and, and uh, just loved the game. I actually took that guy to Augusta one year. He's the guy that taught me to play. So. Awesome. And we went over to Ireland and Scotland together too. So. Yeah, he still comes around. He's out here quite a bit. We get to play. So it's it's been fun.
1: And you're known for playing without shoes on. That's like your big thing, right? Everybody knows you do that. And that makes sense to me because you play a ton of celebrity events. You're all over the country, and that makes sense in like Tahoe. You hit it in the rough. Cool, you walk over there and you hit your ball out of the rough. And the trees, or you're in the other hole. Well, I what t- happens in Arizona? Because this is desert. You miss the you missed a fairway in Arizona. You're in the desert. There's cactus, saguaro. What you, Are you going in there and hitting your ball? No, I keep my flip flops available. That's oh, what I, okay, okay. That, that makes sense. If so I got to
2: hit a okay. shot in that, I'll go. I'll put these on for one. And okay. Then, yeah, I, I, I don't find uh, I never like shoes. Yeah, my I don't know if you see my ankle. My this ankle's been busted a few times, and my feet they don't fit in shoes really good. And my right foot is probably half a size to a size smaller than my left one. So I can't get shoes to fit and I just, I'd rather be barefoot anyway Yeah, and the it just bottom of your feels feet good. Like I, you know, there. golf's about balance, right? Yeah. It's not about gripping in and digging in with your feet. It's about balance. And I've always felt better with, uh, without them.
1: So if you're in the desert, flip-flops are available to oh, get yeah. in there. That,
2: the yeah. cart pass get a little hot. You know, you step out of your car. Yeah, cart. it's hotter
0: than shit out there yeah, too. My,
2: it sounds like bacon frying sometimes when I get out there. But That's my perfect. feet starts bubbling.
0: Well, you've played thirty times at the American Century Celebrity Tournament up in Tahoe, one of the great events of the year. You have any good stories from playing in there? And obviously, I mean, I'm sure you have tons. I don't know how many you can does tell. Does
1: Jim have good stories? So we
0: would love to hear some Lake Tahoe stories.
2: Uh, who who watches this podcast?
0: A bunch of men. <laughs>
2: Nobody. <laughs> okay, good. It's fine.
1: Nobody's listening.
2: Oh, after yeah, thirty years, it's, I've done pretty much everything up there. But uh, a couple stories that stand out. I was playing uh i think it was my 10th year there and the guy we were just talking about he was caddying for me at the time he said look let's let's try something different this year let's uh maybe get a little sleep maybe get up and hit some balls have some breakfast and don't drink i said okay well you know 10th year we'll try something different so i get up i get eight hours sleep get up eat breakfast <clears throat> go out into the range, hit balls. I never hit balls. I hate hitting balls. I hit balls. I go out there, I fire a smooth 88. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I told him, I said, dude, now we do it my way. And the rest of the day, we stayed up hammering drinks. I probably got two or three hours sleep. I get to the course. He goes, You're going to hit balls? I said, No. You're going to eat? I look over in, in the tent there, like, I see a guy drinking a Bloody Mary. I said, Hey, he said, is that any good? He goes, oh, it's a double. It's great. And I tasted it. I went, wow, that is good. He goes, I'll bring you some out on the course. He brings me 11 doubles on the course that day.
0: <laughs> Just 11.
2: And so. It's normal. I don't remember him doing it, but I guess my caddy took my drink away on 16 because I was walking down the fairway. <laughs> but we get to the 18th hole, or our 18th hole was number nine because we, we played so well we had to start on the back. <laughs> So on number nine in Tahoe, the old number nine, you know, it's just a little tee box area, and then you got some fans here, and then there's there's really nowhere to go, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm waiting, I'm playing with Vinny Del Negro, local guy here,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um, William DuBain, the actor. And so Vinnie's, Vinnie's over his ball and he's waggling. And it, it got to be worse than Sergio at sometimes. It was just like, whoa, is he ever gonna swing? Is he ever? And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> Oh, oh, no! I know that feeling. Yeah, so I, I start inching my way towards the back of the tee, right? I'm getting away from everybody. as get as far away as I can. I'm probably 10, 15 yards from where he's... And he's still waggling. And I just go... <laughs> and I just jet puke.
0: <laughs> jet puke. Jet puke. That's, I that's turn around,
2: man. and everybody's still watching Vinny waggle. They didn't even hear it. It was such a good hurl. So then I gave him another one. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> But he finally hits his ball now we're walking up the fairway i catch up and i say hey dude i'm sorry he goes what i said i was just back there hurling i didn't know if you heard me or not <laughs> he goes no you're fine i said okay cool i double bogey that hole to shoot 72. wow that's it and my, yep. my buddy says i don't know how the hell you do it but it he works." Because we're drinking again tomorrow i said you're yeah. damn right we yeah are. every day yeah that is <laughs> like awesome. 10
1: cups who are the guys you like to hang out with in Tahoe, like to have a good time up there? Who are, who's your who's your group?
2: Oh boy, well Jr is one for sure. Yep. I usually see him in the high roller room. Uh, lately, I've been taking an RV up there and just camping it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, camping out behind the um, actually where they have the the outdoor concerts. And a couple of years they actually fenced us in. It was um, David Wells, myself, Brett Saberhagen. Uh, there was a couple of other RVs that we kind of have our own little camp in there. And so every time, every time we get done playing, we end up sitting out at the RV most of the night. Some guys go and gamble and stuff like that, but I'm not a big gambler. So I just sit out there and just have a good time. That's works.
1: awesome. Double the last shoot 72. Is that the most fun celebrity event? You play tons. You play like 20 something celebrity oh, events yeah. typically. I is I that the best one?
2: I was going to tell you another Tao story. This is one everybody yeah. wants me to tell all the time. Love and since there's it. a bunch of dudes watching this, yeah, it's all I deep. think they'll appreciate it. So we're playing. It's Sunday afternoon, and I usually get there on Monday. Right i play the I play the program on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I play six straight days. <clears throat> and for some reason, I had white pants on for the day. Okay. So we're on sixteen. I'm waiting to hit my second shot. It's a par five. So, and I got I to gotta pee really bad. So I, I go to the right side of the fairway behind a big redwood tree. And I'm just, I'm halfway through, just going, oh man, it's been a hell of a week. <sighs> Can't wait to get over with. And all of a sudden there, something went bloop. I went, like, oh God. <laughs> and I looked down and it was like, you got to be kidding me. It was like you opened the beer tap for a second, just beer just shot out of my ass. <laughs> and my son is caddying for me. So I'm, I am I, get him right down to the ankles right away, and I, I lean around the tree, and I go, hey, Sean, bring me the towel, buddy. He's like, what, Dad? I said, bring me the towel, son, hurry up. He's like, Dad, why, I said, bring me the f-ing towel right now. <laughs> so, so now I was playing with Joe Sackick, the hockey guy, yeah, and yeah. Marshall Falk, right? And all they could see is like my bare ass from the fairway. <laughs> they're laying down, they're laughing. So I, you know, Sean comes around the tree. He's like, "Oh, that's nasty." I said, "Yeah, I know." I tried to freshen up, and literally, it's just <laughs> like it's like a two-inch streak, all the way down to my ankle, right? And it was one of those beer farts. Uh, it's nasty. So anyway, I hadn't made a double bogey in three days, right? So I got my, my second shot. I dead shank it. <laughs> End up making double on sixteen. So I'm like, I was pissed anyway. So now they got Jimmy Roberts on the tee box at NBC on on 17, right? Yeah, of course. So I'm, I just I'm walking across the tee box. He goes, "Hey Mac, how you playing?" He sticks it back in my face. I didn't even slow down. I just turned and went. I was good till I just shit my pants back there. <laughs> <laughs> they had is, to go to commercial. They were laughing so hard. it's fantastic. <laughs> I walked right over to the lake. I pushed two boats apart. And these people on the boat going, "What are you doing?" I'm sitting in the water like this, just trying up I said, just trying to freshen up a little bit. Oh, Of course God. you were I white finished, pants. I yeah. finished yeah. par par, which was good for me. But uh, My that's, daughter that's was a taking pictures. She showed everybody in the clubhouse. Oh, look, at my, is, look at my dad. with just shit his pants. Here's my dad. He just shit his pants. But it self. wasn't like I was trying to you know, squeeze a fart around that turd or anything. He just, it just went <laughs> boop. <laughs> <laughs> I love the
1: description. Yes. Only uh, on the day you were wearing white pants, too. Yep. Of course. Have you worn white pants since? Could have been wearing some black yeah. slacks. No now.
2: white uh, pants. I, if I do, I have to have underwear. I usually don't wear underwear. So that was oh, okay. another fun fact.
1: Yeah, about you got to stay McMahon. free. No shoes, no underwear.
0: Yep. I love that. Oh, yes. <laughs> God damn. I, love it. I
2: love these. <laughs> That's yeah, so good. Yeah, get you fan. another one. Fantastic. Get you another one. Well,
0: Celeste, should we get to the emergency nine? Yeah, let's go E9 on them. So we do this with every guest, Jim. Fun, nine fun questions. just should get to know you a little better, which we got to know you oh, very I well. You guys know me I feel pretty, together, pretty no. damn well at this point. That is true. Well, start us <laughs> off, Sleaze. We ask this question to everybody. Squeeze, all right. When was the last time you had to
1: try to squeeze a fart around a <laughs> shit? No, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no all right. I'm kidding. All right. This is a question we ask everybody, but there's a movie being made on the life of Jim McMahon. Who do you want to play you? Which actor?
2: Yeah, I could do. I could play myself. You could play you.
1: Yeah. All right. I've okay. done this. I've done TV. Who'd you have in mind? i had val kilmer but young val kilmer like iceman val kilmer oh yeah he's a he's a good looking dude had a bunch of swag just like you i couldn't come up with anything i came up with a young john malkovich i
2: would have said my um matthew mcconaughey maybe
1: oh i like that good looking cat you gotta Mm. have a good looking dude with some juice you know all right that makes sense all right that's our first one yeah
0: so you had a couple nicknames back in the day when you wore the visor darth vader black sunshine which one you like better
2: Probably Darth Vader.
0: Yeah. yeah. Scary. I don't know. I kind of like
1: that Black, Black sunshine. Well, Black Sun. Man. Well,
2: I'll probably get in trouble for that now. Yeah, so. that's,
1: you can't say that anymore. That's fair. But, right. Number visor. three before we get
0: in trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: we're not a political podcast. All right, here we go. Name the one current quarterback you've seen that most reminds you of yourself.
2: Hmm. Mahomes.
1: Mm. That's a good one. MVP, Super Bowl champ
2: because uh, I think he's uh, he's very bright for one, but he he throws the ball from all different angles. I mean, he's very athletic, and um, yeah, I, w- I would pick him. Yeah, I like how that. good is. I you? used to be athletic till I got yeah. too many Shit. knee surgeries, like and surgeries and shoulder surgeries.
0: You still look like you whoop some ass right now. You think Mahomes will go down as one of the best to ever play?
2: Uh, well, the way things are going, yeah, um, he's gonna have to. You know, win a few more Super Bowls. It's tough. It's going to be tough to catch up to Brady, but uh, he's he's a hell of a player. He, if he stays healthy, I mean, what amazed me is was it a year or two ago when his kneecap popped oh, off? Oh, it's of, like sideways. Uh, it was and he Denver. was able to come back. And I'm has like, so got game. he's got some toughness to him, too. So I like him.
0: Came back quick. Yep. All right. All right. I like Number that. four. You played with some huge names in Chicago. We mentioned them earlier The Fridge, Walter Payton, Richard Dent, Singletary. You're known as a big partier. Of that, Say the 85 Bears team, who could keep up with Jim McMahon off the field?
2: Steve McMichael, for sure.
0: Yeah. Mongo. Oh,
2: yeah. He is yeah. A bad, he, he is he's a bad man. He's still going. He's still he's going. Still going. Yeah. That's awesome. How no, do you think It came from the uh, the movie Blazing Saddles. Mm. Remember? Did you ever see Blazing Saddles? Probably not. I have seen Jim. I'm sorry to say that. I'm dating but, myself uh, right now. But Alex Karras was an ex-defensive uh Lyman from the Detroit Lions, and he he played the character Mongo. And you, you'll have to check that movie out. Mongo.
1: good nickname. Y'all had some good nick. You had fridge. You had sweetness. sweetness yeah. You got Darth Vader or Black Lightning. Black sunshine. Freaking Black Sunshine. Black Sorry, sunshine. Mongo. You had some. That's an all nickname team right there. All right, that's a good one. All right, give me one one rumor you've heard about yourself that is not true.
2: Mm that I called all the women of New Orleans sluts. Yeah, oh yeah, I read, read, that, back yeah, in read the, that, Back in the day, I almost got killed over that. That's I mean, a was, problem nowadays. So that was not a uh, Super Bowl that, I, I really don't remember the game much, because all, I, all, much all I was thinking of was, I'm gonna get shot. And I was getting death threats all week, and um, wow. you know, guys that, guys didn't want to stand by me at practice, because we, we practiced at the old New Orleans Saints facility, which was literally an apartment complex overlooked the field and so none of, nobody would stand by I mean I had to wear a different number uh
0: why would that even come out like how does that even that's a, that's I a
2: don't know. Porter,
1: like made that up and read he then, made like, it up apologized afterwards said i made that up we got
2: in we got into new orleans on a monday afternoon i believe it was and we had no curfew all week dick said up no, we no, you guys are on your own so monday tuesday wednesday we pretty much saw the sun come up And Thursday morning, I get woken up, excuse me, by an irate fan screaming and yelling at me, like, what the hell? And I hang the phone back up, minute or two later, another call, same thing. My roommate's going, what's going on? I said, I don't know. Somebody's pissed off at me for something. So I go down to the breakfast and uh, I'm standing in the breakfast line. Here comes the general manager, comes up and says, hey, uh, you really did it this time that's all he said he walked away i'm like what the hell then dick finally walks up to me and he says did you really say that i said look mike i don't know what's going on i said i got woke up this morning i said jerry's pissed off at me what did i say and he said well supposedly you called all the women in new orleans sluts and the men were stupid and i said when did i say this he goes didn't you do a radio show this morning at 6 a.m i said no, I got a, I got home at five thirty. I wasn't getting on the <laughs> thing at six. And so he goes, well, that's that's the story. Wow. So this guy just went on the air, said that, had no proof or anything. And I said, you should know better. I'm not getting up at six to do a damn radio show. That
0: should have been the first giveaway. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. What about the rumor you shit yourself in Tahoe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Confirm that. True. That was Confirm. Confirmed, All right. Confirmed All right. on the shit yourself. Okay. Number six. Favorite
0: person you've ever played with at Tahoe. I'm sure there's a very it's a very long list <laughs>
2: well i've been there 31 yeah. years so uh favorite top
0: guy. couple
1: or just cool. the guy you like to get paired with
2: david wells mm-hmm. and bodie miller
0: oh, oh bodie, bodie miller, miller. Yeah. interesting good dude bodie oh. miller, the u.s skier
2: bodie's the best yeah he's and those that. two those two are a lot of fun yeah.
0: That's awesome.
2: so we we have a good time together that but they're sense. they're playing much better than me, so I don't get to play with them Is only, only one golfer? day.
1: I played with David Wells. Is Bodie a good golfer?
2: Yeah, Bodie can play. Yeah. There's some days, you know, like everybody, we have our good days and yeah. mostly bad for me, but uh, I have a few good ones every once in a while.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I could see you all getting along. All right. Chicago icon. Played a lot of golf with a lot of people, but who won more money against each other on the golf course, you or Michael Jordan?
2: Uh, I did. No, you got the best nice. of them? Yeah, good. You're one of the Proud few. Here. One of the few. Yeah. Well, but I, I think I told this story a couple weeks ago to somebody. We were playing at uh, his place in Chicago. I think it was a Merit Club they call. Mm-hmm. It. And uh, we're uh, we're playing a hundred dollar Nassau, so a good bet for me. And I had little kids at the time, and I was still playing with Chicago, so I wasn't making a lot of money. And I was I was playing really well, and and probably had him down two or three bets on the front. And so we make the turn, I tee my ball up on 10, I'm getting ready to hit. And he said, all right, I'll play you this side for a million. <laughs> and he was dead serious. And I'm like, dude, I would love to, because right now I'm kicking your ass, but something would happen and I would lose this back nine. And my, my kids don't go to college. <laughs> you know, I lose my house. I said, no, I'm not going to bet you a million. You can keep bump, bumping up that hundred if you want. But. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up taking a little bit of, of his money that day. But he came over to my house and we're playing pool. He got a little bit of the money back. He's a pretty good pool player too.
1: He's pretty good at gambling. I mean, from at what I hear, he just loves to gamble. Yeah, yeah, He'll just does. gamble until he starts winning. Double, double, double. Yeah, double he was double
2: 100%,
0: until he wins. 100% serious about that million too. He probably would have. Oh yeah, yeah done That's it. a
1: that's a week. I mean, what is that? Five yeah. days. I don't even know what that is. Yeah,
0: that ain't fair. That's All unbelievable. Right. All right, number eight. We mentioned earlier the hit Charles Martin put on you. One of the cheapest shots we've ever seen in the, in the history of football that happens in today's NFL, how many games he suspended and how much does he find? Cause he got two games back then. Oh, well, he did. He got suspended two games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he did.
2: Yeah. I don't, I think he got fined 10 grand,
0: 10 grand and two games,
2: but, uh, hey, I got fined five just for wearing a headband. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. But yeah, that sucks. That
0: was a rough
1: one. Yeah. Modern so, day, what was the question again? Right now, like how much? what does he get? What's his suspension? Oh, what's his fine? What do you think?
2: I would think he would be surpre- suspended for the rest of the year. Yeah. And then I don't know about a, a fine. Big fine.
1: Number. I don't even know. Yeah. S- something big. Yeah, that was one of the worst ever. All right. I'd bye. never
0: seen that hit, by the way. And I YouTubed it earlier. That was unbelievable. Yeah. It's... I felt the same way. I mean, you're just <laughs> yeah. standing there. you yeah. just walking away and boom.
2: Well, it's crazy. It's the night before I was actually. With one of their defensive linemen, who I had played with in a bowl game back and when I was a senior in college, good guy, and uh, we're having a beer, and he says, "Hey, uh, watch yourself tomorrow." Oh, he goes, really? our, "Our coach has been saying if you get a shot on him, take it." So just, you know, wow. So I was, I good. was, I was trying to be aware of everybody in front of me. Yeah, yeah I didn't know I was going to get d- from behind. <laughs> First time that term has been used on this show. I like it. Four seconds after you let the
1: ball go, it's hard to still be like on yeah, your toes. Yeah, I was. I, I, I think you're because I clear. threw a
2: bad pass. I threw it low, low and into the receiver coming in. I see the I see the cornerback intercept the ball. So I was I was like, oh, I kind of just got to let up, oh. And I was about to just head to the sideline. The next thing I know, I'm, I mean, he, by the time a, he yeah. grabbed me until my head hit the ground, it was like nothing. I was like, whoa. That's crazy. It was, it
1: was like a a W that, – that's a major, major suspension in, in nowadays football on a quarterback. That, that's game over. Oh, yeah, you
2: can't even hit him legally now. So. <laughs> no,
1: exactly. All right, last question. You get this question a lot. There's a slight twist to it. We got the 85 Bears versus the 72 Dolphins who wins, but in a bar fight.
2: I know they had some tough guys over there. Manny Fernandez, I remember him, big defensive lineman. I, I wouldn't.
1: You had some dudes Yeah, Yeah,
2: I never saw my offensive line lose a fight, so. And that's the offensive line. And defensively, you had McMichael, Dent, Wilbur. Yeah, I, I'd line up. I'd, I'd still line up against anybody, yeah. whether we play ball or fight.
1: That's how you pick the best team of all time, bar fight. 15-1, 16 who gives a shit? Let's let's figure it out
0: at the bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love it. Well, Jim, this has been an absolute pleasure. Really, thank you for joining us today. Hey, my, my so pleasure, generous. guys.
2: It's been great. This is awesome.
1: Absolutely. Thank you
0: so much, man.
2: Let me know if you need me back to tell more oh, stories. Oh, we I'll need talk. you I'll back. I'll, I'll try to, to get a new reality. story for you for uh, Tile this What are you yes. doing
1: tomorrow? Can you shoot yourself
2: again by tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> well, a few so more much. of these, yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. Thank you.
2: All right, guys. Please, that was a
0: very, very fun interview by an absolute legend, Jim McMahon.
1: Yeah, dude, I really didn't know what to expect going in with Jim. We hadn't really you know, been around him a whole lot uh, in town, and he opened up, told some incredible stories. I thought it was really interesting because I'd always wondered, like, here's a super outspoken guy, kind of beats to his own drum. Why go to BYU? And he told that story. And then basically after he got done with BYU, uh, once he got done winning football games for BYU, they're like, cool, thanks. Beat it. Scram. Get out of here. So what have you done for me lately type of deal. But dude, some unreal stories.
0: Crazy, crazy. Even the story about how he hurt his eye with the fork to the eye. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? That's why he has to wear sunglasses pretty much everywhere he goes. But he was an absolute fixture up in Lake Tahoe at the celebrity event up there. Played 31 straight years. Never any shoes on. His story about shit in his pants. Yeah, we got to have one. Pretty standard for a guest. On our show.
1: If you've never shit your pants, there's a good chance you're not ever getting invited on subpar. It's a prereq, and we need one good shit your pants story, and then, and then you're, you're more than welcome. I mean,
0: I was crying. I was laughing so hard at that story. It's he's, so good. He's unbelievable. Dude, but how what, about the Belichick that's stuff? That's what I was going to say. The Are one about thing to... that surprised me the Dude. most was I've never heard anybody talk about Bill Belichick that way.
1: Nobody talks about him like that I don't know if it's because Belichick's never done anything to him like they did to Jim McMahon or because they're afraid to talk bad about Bill Belichick who's like the you know pretty much the guy that they say is the best all-time NFL uh, coach and he was not quick Mm-mm. to he was not biting his tongue for Bill Belichick so but uh, that was that one I thought was super interesting I had no idea about that story
0: I didn't either and I will have to say that was probably one of the most fun pitchers we've taken on golf subpar. With the headbands, the sunglasses, that that was awesome. I
1: think he appreciated the homage, the little nod to the gods there that we gave him. You know, he made that cool. He made it what it was. So we had to
0: pay our respects. I love it. Well, I'll be honest, Lee's. We made our picks last week for Colonial. They weren't that great. Correct. And you know, I and I think we can just use little as rust, rusts. Rust, you know. Like know, I mean, our picks were rusty. Some of the golfers were rusty. But producer Mark, can you give us an update on the standings?
2: Yes. Yeah, so Rory's. Uh, turning on Sunday, falling down the leaderboard oh, really sure. cost Drew. Um, oh. he finished up top 32. Drew also had Sung JM with a top 10. And uh, but to counter that top 10, Colt had JT Poston, so Thank money you. was prevent, uh, you know, pretty even. Uh, Drew, it looks like you caught up $41,000. Hello, right, sweetheart. So and you're so, only
0: 1.95 million behind now. by the way, going into Sunday.
1: 1. How much am I
2: down? 1.75. Nothing
1: in it. No problem. I'm going to have that made up this week more than likely. By the way, how about Rory just completely shit? Hey, dude, he- I, got, I got Sungjae up there doing what Sungjae does every single week. And then I got Rory. You miss out on Rom. Rom missed the yep. cut. This is my week. I'm like, all right, Rory, just go ahead and win this thing, which after his second round, I was like, uh, here comes the, you know, the landslide that is Rory McIlroy. Not only does he just not really make a move on Sunday, he just goes backwards the entire way down the leaderboard. Cost me a bu- If I got... If Rory just does what he does, finishes like third or something, I make a huge lead. See, this
0: is why I think I just have such an advantage in this competition because you're so stuck on the past. Like, dude, you got to let it go. It's time for a new week. It's time to make picks.
1: No, you learn. This is how you learn, dude. You evaluate the week before. Rory's dead to me for forever. (laughs) I will be back to my usual same four guys going this point forward. All
0: right. Well, let's get to it. RBC Heritage at Hilton Head. Let's do a it. Is it my? It's my honor. Well, that's how course. we'll do
1: it. First pick goes to the guy whoever won the most money last week. So okay. it's like it's my honor right now. I'm gonna go back. I know you picked this man last week. You were really pissed off about how he did. Missed his first cut in ages, Mr. John Rom. I'm going back to the well. I think an angry Rom is a good Rom. I don't see him playing two bad weeks back to back. I'm going John Rom. He's eighteen to one.
0: Okay, good pick, good pick. Hope he performs like he did last week. Yeah. But uh, my favorite is in my mind the best iron player on the PGA Tour, which I think. Is the most important stat at Harbortown. Tiny, tiny greens. You've never played there, so you wouldn't have a freaking clue. No, but I would dominate it if I did. Sixteen to one, Justin Thomas. Okay, will be my pick. Okay, for this week, JT. Hard to knock it. Coming off a good week too. Yes. Yeah, pretty solid. Not a great rough. final round, but yeah, solid. All right, my next pick, forty to one. Perfect. Seventh on tour in strokes gained approach and seventh in greens and regulation. Absolute ball striker. If the putter is somewhat warm, I think he should contend around this place. I've told him for years. I think he should tee it up here, and he never does, but now he is. Gary Woodland. Okay. Another guy coming off a good week. Not the best final round, but another good week. I'm
1: not mad at that pick at all. I'm going back to the well, just like I said, I would ride her till she bucks her. You don't just ride her all. Just save your breath.
0: Just hit repeat from the week Sung before. Sung
1: J M. Speaking of iron play, uh, not terrible from Mr. Sung J. So if that putter go, gets going whatsoever, he's going to be up there again this week. What are I'll his odds? This week? He's 28 to 1.
0: Mm, okay. Strong pick. Mm hmm. All right, well, let's go. Now this is where this is where we the rubber meets the road. Okay. All right, I'll let you have the honor. You want me to go first? Yeah. All
1: right. I'm going with another guy coming off a good week. 14th last week at Colonial. Very good iron player. Kind of an under the radar guy, and a guy we will get on here very soon. We've had some conversation about it. But Mr. Abraham Answer. Ah, I had him written down. Did you tell me you're not picking? I him? I did not pick him, okay, but good. I had
0: I had four guys left for these two spots. He's and 60 he was one to
1: one. one. So I like Abe Answer for my first.
0: I I really liked him, but I did some research. and He's missed the cut there the last two years.
1: Mm. Can't dwell mm. on the past. Mm. Didn't realize. Can't that. dwell on <laughs> the past, dude. It's a new day. He mm. didn't finish 14th the week before, though. The other two years.
0: All right, I'm gonna go with a man. When I think of Harbor Town, I just think of this guy. Like I, at some point, he's gonna put the tartan jacket on. There's just no doubt in my mind. He's lost in a playoff here before. Uh, just, just a bulldog. Really, just keeps it in front okay. of him. Great ball striker, great putter, Kevin Kisner. Okay, see? At 66 to 1.
1: This is how well I know you. I have Mr. Kevin Kisner written down right here. Knowing that you were going to pick him, I threw an alternate in here. Because at this point, I could not have any. No, I've not made my official pick yet. It's like NFL draft. They go up there with multiple guys. So I did not pick Kevin Kisner because I knew you would take him. I cannot take ties at this point right now. So I'm audibling into another great iron player, man, that was playing some damn good golf before all this craziness happened, Tyrrell Hatton. 60 to one.
0: Okay. My other one on the four that I had written down.
1: Are you going with him? No. Okay. But I'm so saying, we're, I had, we're very close to being so mind melded on a lot guys of this stuff. Okay.
0: And two made the list. Uh-huh. The two that didn't were Answer and Terrell Hatton.
1: Okay. Interesting. Because yep. I had Kisner. I was like, Colt's going to pick Kis. Can't take Kis. Okay. So he's out. All right. So All I right. got Terrell Hatton. Step on down. This
0: is a, this is a gamble. Okay. This, this is what, what we do. This is what I do. This guy, he finished 41st at Hilton Head last year. He finished third the year before. He actually won last week. On the Corn Ferry Tour, Ooh. Mr. Luke List, Ooh. who I think just hits these seeds with that two iron off the tee out there, and is a fantastic uh, iron player, one that always went up there in greens and regulation. Uh, he's another guy like Gary Woodland. If the putter's hot, he can contend, and I think last week was a huge step for him. And I look for him to play well this week. One of
1: two guys coming into this week, yeah, coming off a dub. All right, confidence. So, let's recap I got some
0: weird things: Justin Thomas, Gary Woodland, Kevin Kisner, Luke List. All right, Team Sleeves:
1: John Rahm, Sung Jae. Abe Answer, Tyrrell Hatton. All right, well, everybody. Come on, boys. (laughs) Let's freaking go. It's
0: time to go. Everybody, enjoy the RBC heritage, and we'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.